It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello and welcome to the show. Today is Frontline Friday with my usual guest, Bridget Gleason. Bridget, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Andy. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. A little jet lagged, but other than that, not too bad. So today we're going to talk about a couple of things, but we're going to start with this article that we'd seen called The Death of the Salesperson. And... <laughs> That's that's quite uh, that's quite an article for people who've made their career in sales and those of us who are planning to continue in sales. So I'm so glad we're discussing this one today. So the the premise, or the, I guess the the starting point, is this was on a a blog that we saw on the infographic that somebody had put together, saying from a research report from Forrester, a well known research firm, saying that. 25% of business-to-business sales jobs are going to disappear in the next four years. What do you think? I think that I think that sales is changing, and there probably are a certain number of sales jobs that will disappear. I don't think salespeople are going to disappear, though. I think it's just it's going to look different, and I think we've already started to see the shift from people selling to people helping other people buy. And being knowledgeable around that, so I just I think the skill set is changing. Well, there seems to be this this really I don't know, conundrum, if you will. Maybe that's the wrong word, but it's sort of ironic that you know we talk about this collaborative, the need for being more collaborative with the buyers, and yet at the same time, when we look at sort of the increased specialization of sales roles that's taken place with inbound sales development reps and outbound sales development reps, that increasingly we're using people with a lot less knowledge to have the first interaction with the prospect. So how do we how do we square that circle there? You know, where yeah. we where we know we need to be more collaborative. We know that our salespeople need to be able to know more about the customer and ask good questions, even in that initial point of contact. Yet increasingly that's our entry level job. That's the first point of contact with many potential prospects. And it's really going the other direction. Well, I, I think in a way there, there are two different things. I think it's gotten increasingly difficult to get in touch with people. And it's because there are so many different channels by which to do it. Prospects and consumers have a lot of ways to get the information they need. They're not as reliant upon a salesperson. So I think this, this need for specialization, especially at the sales development rep or business development rep, and those are the ones that are just trying to get a meeting is because that's gotten so hard to do and takes a really directed effort that you you just need somebody doing really a very, very repetitive task to try to break through all the noise and the clutter to get someone's attention. So I, I think that's that's one thing is trying to get through. There's There's so much noise out there. How do you break through and get someone's attention? I think the second piece is, and this is sort of the death of the salesperson piece, and why I don't believe that that will happen is the, re- the people that, in my opinion, prospects and potential buyers want to connect with are those that can help them put some context around what they're thinking about buying. People who know their environment, know the product, know others who've used it, know how to get the best use of it. It's a, very, it's a much more consultative and sort of higher 
order of sales than just brochureware or somebody that can just tell you the speeds and feeds of a product. Um, so I think the, the future salesperson and even the salesperson today needs to be more widely knowledgeable. So not just about the product, but also around the context. But doesn't that start with the sales development reps themselves? So, I mean, here we have a structure for people who are listening, you know, especially inside sales teams, that that first level of contact, you said the person that's reaching out to set up a meeting or a demo or whatever with the, with the prospective prospect is a potential prospect is not to get redundant prospective prospect is to the sales development rep who are the least knowledgeable, the least experienced people in the organization. And yet we're talking about a better educated, more informed prospect. So don't we have a, a mismatch of purposes there? And aren't in a sense, aren't we creating the clutter? Well, we're definitely contributing to the clutter. So, and is it a mismatch? I mean, people talk about that a lot, that it's, it's a mismatch of skills. What I see really effective sales development reps doing is connecting the dots for a potential buyer. And yes, that's a higher order of just this random cold calling. It's finding out who's connected what do they care about? Looking on LinkedIn and Twitter and Google Alerts, um, just finding out what they're, what, wh where's the, where's the common point of connection, and making that connection between buy, prospective buyer and seller. So, yeah, we're create, we're contributing to the clutter. Yes, it's a higher order skill, but it also requires some specialization. I think we may get more specialized in sales as well, and perhaps it's around. Uh, verticals are really understanding a particular buyer persona better or a vertical better mm -hmm. so that a sales rep is able to add more context with regards to how a product or service fits a very specific need and can really add some value, uh, really add some value there. So we may get more specialized. Which would be good, but the part I still have trouble with because I experience it, right? I get calls all the time as a, as a business owner that people want to sell something to me. And it comes from some very well-known names in the sales industry, in the sales automation space, where you'd expect they would have these very uh, well-trained sales development reps that are out you know, doing their, their homework before they pick up the phone and call me. Yet even they still fail at this most basic task of doing any sort of homework before reaching out and calling me. So I just wonder, I sort of begin to despair. I say, okay, what are the organizations that are really doing it well? What are they doing that are continuing to add value even through their most low-level employees that can help the prospect, inspire some beginning of trust and inspire me to want to invest a little bit more of my time with your salespeople? Well, I think part of it is the sales development reps who've been calling you, I wouldn't put them in the top percentage or in the ones that are going to survive going forward. But it seems like the general perception is that's, that is a pretty widespread issue, right? So if, if you're listening to the show and you're an entrepreneur and you've got some sales development reps inside the company, what value can they add to the prospect, right? I mean, what have you done to train them to do something a little bit different than just sort of be an overly scripted telephone dialer? Yeah, and I, and I don't think being an overly scripted telephone dialer helps. So again, where I've seen sales development reps be successful and remember what their job their job is not to close a deal. Their job, their job is to move the sale forward to get an appointment. So the most successful sales development reps who I know are good at finding connections and making connections and looking for where that linkage is that somebody will say, 
okay, I'm willing to take a meeting. And so it's, it's not often even a meeting with the sales development rep. It is with someone who's more experienced. And I think we are also, as buyers, becoming more savvy. I know when I get someone reaches out to me, I understand what their level is. I, I, so I, my expectation perhaps has changed, and maybe that's just me. Well, it's a change I, for better or for worse. I mean, you're more accepting of a less competent sales rep talking to you? It's not saying that they're less competent. So I wouldn't say that they're less competent. I think they are competent in being able to make a connection. So, for example, if someone has made the connection that I know they're, let's say it's a sales development rep that works for a gamification, a sales gamification company, and sees that I know Eileen, who used to work at Hoopla, and says, Eileen, I, you know, I, Eileen suggested that I talk to you. Eileen and I were colleagues at so-and-so, or I work for Eileen, and would love to make this connection. Mm-hmm. I am more likely to respond to that because there's some connection there. It's just human nature that I'll go ahead and take an appointment. And again, is that person less competent, more competent? I don't think it's a matter of less or more competent. What they, they need to be competent at what they're, we're trying to get them to do, which is get that first appointment. And I think a lot of it now, Andy, is because there's a lot of clutter. What's the relationship? And there was a great, I should, I should look it up, um, the study. It was done a number of years ago. And it's the, this relationship hierarchy. And when you think about somebody knocks on your front door, which is essentially what we're doing. Who are we going to let in? And I'm looking through the, the peephole on the door the, to see who it is. Mm-hmm. If it's someone I know, I'll open the door. If it's a friend of someone, I, then, then maybe I'll open the door. If it's someone who's referred and said, so-and-so told me to talk to you. But you, you think about this ladder of connection. And the close, the tighter the connection, the more likely we are to open the door. And when I was using the word competent before, I was talking about competent SDRs relative to the point you were making is doing their research, finding out where the connections are, which still seems to me, even though we know it's best practice, seems to be still fairly rare, right? That that takes place. Because again, with the example I gave, brand name companies, if I named, you'd recognize in a heartbeat and the managers you hope would be (laughs) shocked that their people are still doing this. But clearly they've got people that are you know, sitting in on calls, recording calls, listening to calls. And this, this behavior still persists in what seems to me, at least in my exposure, a majority of the SDRs that I engage with. Well, I, so I think, that's, I think that's also a separate issue. I think that the managers of these companies who you're talking about would be shocked and mortified. And it goes also, ties into this trend of particularly around millennials, not staying in jobs very long less than 18 months. So I think part of what we're seeing is there's this turnover. And do they, and, and I think it's a challenge for managers is to get them to the point of competency before they leave. And that's a training challenge. So I, I think this specialization, Andy, for us is still, it's relatively new. And I think a lot of us are still grappling. I know that I am. I'm still grappling with this this mismatch. So I agree with you that there's there's a mismatch that we need to address. 
that that how do I how do I get them competent at the skill that I need them to do? And that's that's different than needing to be sort of widely competent as a salesperson, but is that very first? Yes, connection. I agree. Right. And and how do I get them competent before they walk out the door? And so I think training is also having the way that we train people and how quickly and how we get them up to speed, that's, that needs to change also. Otherwise, we just, we just have this revolving door of, of sales development reps that never get to the point where they are adding value. And people like you and I and other buyers end up being frustrated. And we just add to the clutter. So what do you do as a manager to try to reduce that turnover? Because it seems like it's sort of a, a vicious circle in the sense that at some point, in some part, they leave because they become competent and then they say they think they're more marketable, right? Yeah, okay. So there's, so there's, there's a, there are a couple of realities that we just have to deal with. So one of them is people, they're going to change jobs more quickly. So, in, so I can do one of two things. One, I can try to keep them in the seats longer. And, and Andy, for me, it's maybe from 12 months to 18 months or 18 months to 24 months. And what are the things that I can do within that amount of time to keep them in the seat longer and challenged? And, you know, people do things like, and we, we do it here at Sumo Logic, or starting to put in place uh, now is different levels of SDR so that they're continually growing and learning and expanding and they get promoted so that they feel like they're progressing, which is a really important thing to millennials. Mm-hmm. Second thing is, I got to figure out a way to get them trained and competent more quickly. So if it took six months before, I need to do it in three months. If it took three months, I need to do it in a month. So what are the, it's, it's a training challenge. How can I get them trained more quickly so that if they do leave in 18 months, I've gotten 12 good months out of them or whatever the case may be. So I think there are really two issues there that I see. Well, I think the other issue too is, is how do you make the training stick? Right, because one of the great fallacies of sales training is it tends to be sort of happens at a point in time, and then just human nature, we tend to forget uh, you know, a lot, of, a large portion of what we learn. Let's say in a training class, the Xerox you know did the study, you forget ninety percent within thirty days. So you need some sort of reinforcement. So how are we uh, at the management level? How are you reinforcing the things that you train them? Yeah, and I, I, I think you're absolutely right. Doing the long training sessions and expecting it to stick, all evidence shows that that's not true. So we can't, we can't rely on that. What I found to be the most effective is smaller, digestible bites of training and, and the repetitive nature of it. It needs to be ongoing. Training isn't a set and forget. Training is ongoing. And we do things... We do things here at Sumo Logic. We, for all of our sales meetings, there's a training component in each one. We bring in people from the outside, but we also have somebody. We've invested in sales enablement. We have a trainer here mm-hmm. that's continually running workshops for the for the team, lunch and learns. We do. Um, we call it Audible Ready, and it's where the the team will give them a. A series of questions or scenarios or role plays each week, and then they have to be prepared at the Monday sales meeting to be audible ready to either role play it or mm-hmm. it's technical. So we're constantly reviewing, reinforcing, and we've we've just integrated that 
sort of into a day in the life. That's that's part of a day in the life of a of a salesperson is this ongoing sound bites of training and 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 repetition repetition repetition. Well, repetition not just in terms of the training but also repeating in practice what they're learning. In practice, and that's what I mean. It's it's it actually has to be just not seeing the same video three times. But it has to be actually the doing and the practicing. Very cool. Let's let's talk about that more. We'll have to come back after a break. I will be right back with my guest, Bridget Gleason. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a thousand companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. So welcome back. We are having a great conversation today talking about, gosh, well, it started off as sort of the death of B2B sales, and we sort of morphed into talking about really a key component of that, which is how do we improve the value that our sales development reps offer to the prospects? Because there's another article I had read not too long ago, it had been written back in May, but by uh, Trish Bertuzzi, who's obviously one of the leading figures in inside sales where someone had proposed to her that SDRs within a few years could be just completely replaced by automation. So if they don't add some sort of value, then I guess they're open to that prospect of being replaced. Well, well that's right. I, I think that's right. If, if, if we don't add value and a machine can do it better, then th- that, that function will be replaced. So I, I think the question and sort of what we started with and then we kind of went off on a tangent but a related tangent is how do we make sure that we as salespeople continue to add value and the type of value that a prospect or buyer is looking for? And that can't be replicated, right? That has a uniquely personal and human touch to it. Exactly. Which is, which is always going to be more valuable for the, for the buyer. Right. When you think about why do that? Why does Nordstrom's have salespeople? I could just go in. Everything's there. You can buy it online. It's all there. I can buy it online. I could even go into a store, and really, all I need somebody is to ring me up. Why do they have salespeople? And why why hasn't that gone away? Well, you tell me. Well, I think because there's there is a value that they add in helping people buy, and. You know, when I go into uh, Nordstrom's or another department store, for example, I don't often need a, a lot of assistance, but sometimes I do need assistance regarding uh, this fabric. It doesn't fit, fit right here. Would I be able to take it in? How would that work? That you don't have my size here. Is there another store that might? I, I even I'm so bad with fashion. This is probably a horrible example because I'm I'm horrible at it. And I and you know what? Actually, Andy. For me, I don't buy my own clothes. I absolutely 100% rely on people to help me. And so I go in and say, okay, this is what I do for a living. Can you just put together, like I'll, I'll give you an example. I, was, I needed to travel. I was doing a two-week business trip in Europe, and I had one week vacation also. And I went to this one little store, and I said, can you just pick out 
what I should bring. I'm bringing one suitcase. Pick the things for me. They need to be, you know, wrinkle-free, easy to wash, travel this amount of time. Here's where I'm going. Yeah, I could probably do that by myself, but to have somebody do it for me quickly who knows the inventory was mm-hmm. helpful. So I guess in a way, that's what we want to help prospective buyers do. And when there's so much more stuff that they're dealing with and false claims that this product says it does this and that one says it does that, the successful sales reps will be the one to help customers navigate through that. That's my opinion. Well, I think it's absolutely true. And I, the way I sort of phrase it, and it's, I didn't get this, I, I can't claim credit for this. It really came from Neil Rackham in his book about rethinking the sales force. What you said is that if the channel doesn't add value, it's going to go away. And it's a pretty simple formulation. You know, if you look at the range of products that are now purchased online, where the salesperson has been removed from the equation. You know, I always give an example to start the basics. You know, do you ever a salesperson sell pencils, right? Of course not. You have a range of products that require no sales intervention. But interestingly, you know, there are still some that we, even in some cases that people talk about being you know, horrible sales experiences, like say, buying cars. Mm-hmm. Why haven't the salespeople been eliminated from that equation? Certainly people are buying cars online, and there have been some reduction in terms of the number of car lines that are available. Those, that happened independent of the impact of the internet and any sort of information technology. You go to a car dealership, there's still lots of salespeople there. Right. Why, why is that the case? Well, again, I think it's somebody that can help cut through the clutter of all of the claims and offer some contextual comparison. I, 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 that's, that's why I would go see a car, a car salesman if I were in the, in the market for a new car. And that's not to say that, you know, if you know exactly what you want, yeah, you're just going to go online and buy it. But for a lot of things, especially more complex products and services, um, it's just not that simple. And, and a lot of it, you, I think particularly about, I'll speak in, in my world, in our world, Andy, is there the plethora of sales acceleration tools that there are available for sales professionals and sales teams. And the interesting thing is the tool itself is not going to make a person or a team or a department or a company successful. It's the implement, implementation of the, that tool and how it relates to the process and how it maps to their process. So there's a lot of room for salespeople to be helpful in making sure that the tool maps to a well-defined process, let's say in, in, in our case, sales. But there are a lot of industries where that's the case. Because the tool itself, they can be, if they're not adopted and really integrated, they're going to flop. And I, I think that's, that's where a, a salesperson can be super valuable. Well, I think it gets back to an issue that ultimately that I'm, I'm concerned about, that salespeople don't seem to take, and we've talked about this, salespeople don't take enough responsibility for their own professional and personal improvement, right? So, you know, I, I listened to a presentation at a conference uh, two days ago, uh, a gentleman named Tim Wackel, who's an expert at effective sales presentations, but he was talking about sales habits, and he has this uh, 30-20-10 rule where, you know, you spend an hour every day on personal improvement, 30 minutes big believer in exercise, 30 minutes of exercise, 20 minutes of reading, not, you know, reading articles online in the internet, but reading a book, and then 10 minutes of 
personal reflection. And it says, you know, if you spend 20 minutes a day reading, and you sort of did the math, you know, if you read an average speed, you'll over the course of a year, you'll read like 20 books. Well, gosh, if a salesperson committed 20 minutes a day to read and read 20 books, think how much more knowledge and how much more expert they would be at their craft if they did that. I mean, uniformly. And so I think that this, we talk about the death and disappearance of the business-to-business -business salesperson. I think it's really on us, right? As, as salespeople, that's ultimately on us because the customer's judging us not to be able to position, not being in a position to add value to them and to help them make their decisions. So I, I don't think the threat is automation. I think the threat is ourselves. I, I couldn't agree more. I think automation is forcing us to up our game. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's, it's our responsibility as salespeople to, 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 like you said, do the learning and education and what are we doing for self-improvement. That's a, that's a big thing we talk about here at Sumo Logic. And, you know, on the sales team, we're always talking about books we're reading and classes that we're taking and online blogs that we're learning from. I mean, that's, that's a recurring theme here. And it's, it's the type of salesperson that I look to, that I look to hire. I want, I want individuals, and we've talked about this in one of our uh, conversations also, Andy, is what do we look for in hiring salespeople? And I definitely look for curious and self-directed. And it, I think those two qualities will will bring to you someone that is going to do that 20 minutes a day of uh, learning and trying to get better and taking that upon themselves as opposed to expecting that a company or a person or somebody is going to to give that for them. That's something that we can only do for ourselves. Right. So here's a, a radical thought for you. So you run a sales team. You've run multiple sales teams. What if you carved 20 minutes out of everybody's day that everybody was, during the work hours, people were going to read 20 minutes. Because what you're going to get from it at the end of the year, you're going to get a much more highly educated expert group of people. So what, yeah. if, what if you did that? What if you said, okay, starting, starting tomorrow from 1 to 1.20 every day, it's like recess for kids, right? <laughs> but from 1 to 1.20, we're all going to sit and read, and you can choose your own sales book, but we're all going to sit and read sales books. Well, Andy, for me, I am such a reader. I, I read, I probably read a book a week. So I'm a little on the extreme and I read, I read business books. I read sales books. I read. So everybody here would know, yeah, that is such a great pet project for Bridget. We, I, I love, I love the idea. I'm really thinking about it as you brought it up. What the team does now, several people have a bit of a uh, commute to get to our office, and it, it, most people have Audible, so they, they may listen to books on their way in, but having it, having it as part of the workday, I think, is a really interesting concept. I like it. I well, like it. I know a lot of the team here is doing it anyway, just on their own. Right. But I'm institutionalized. We, the thing is, we, we, we talk about how important it is as managers. We decry the fact that salespeople aren't investing the time on their own to do this. So maybe the way we set the example is we show that it's important by setting aside the time in the workday, 20 minutes, for people to sit together in a room and read a book. 
I mean, for me, I love it. I, I'm really thinking about that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring that up at my manager's meeting and see what the reaction is. I, I, I love it. Okay. I, love it. I think it's, I think it's just, I think it's really interesting. And, and you're right. It, it sort of puts, puts uh, our money where our mouth is. And so yeah, absolutely. If you really think it's important. Let's, let's take this time and go do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 20 minutes. Let's just do it. I mean, there's so many other things that happen in the day. We know there's lots of time in the day that's, that's not productive, right? We're not going to cure that issue overnight. But we can say, hey, here's 20 minutes that we know where people are, are engaged in this task of self-improvement. And again, I would let them choose their own book, right? As long as it you know, fits within the category area. Because you know, people are interested in different things that appeal to them in terms of improving their skills and so on. Or maybe you have a you can create a reading list of 20 books. And they can choose whichever one they want. But yep. let people do it. I mean, so it's not like it's assigned reading. They're doing it voluntarily, uh, which I think you get more engagement with. But even even if you did, I mean, I've, I work with companies where I do, I do remote book clubs for them. You know, they'll, they'll purchase my books. And over a period of two months, they'll read my book. They'll do a chapter a week. And then twice during that period, we do a webinar where I ask, and, or excuse me, I answer all the questions they have. When I was at Engine Yard, we used your first book. We did. We used your first book for our book club for sales, and we read a chapter a week and did just that. I mean, we I I had just assigned it, and in that case, it wasn't a twenty minute reading club. It was a. This is an assignment. It's important that everybody reads it. Read a chapter a week at your leisure over the course of the week, and then we discussed it. We took fifteen minutes. And, and discussed it. And that was a great way for us to, to go through it and do it. All right. Well, here's, here's the challenge. See, if you, see what you can get with your 20-minute-a-day reading thing, reading session, quiet time. And if you can put that into play, we'll, we'll document that and we'll, we'll publicize that. Because I think this would be, I think it could be a, a great trend. It's I a, like it. It's an investment. I, it's an investment. Think of you know, as a business owner, as a senior manager. It is an investment, but it's, God, it's one of the easiest investments you can make. Way cheaper than bringing in sales trainers. And I think it would have the same impact. Yeah, and I, and I like it, Andy, as a piece of a strategy. You know, that it's, it, it's, it's not to solve the whole problem, but it's one way to institutionalize the importance of ongoing self-development and training that I really, really like. And, and as you said, the commitment to it during the work day to emphasize the importance of it. Yeah. All right. I can't wait to hear next week when we talk, what's going right. to happen. Okay. <laughs> I'll be interested to hear what your colleagues, what their feedback is, because I think this is a great idea. So that's all the time we have for today. It's been another great conversation. I appreciate everybody joining us. It's been my usual guest, Bridget Gleason. Bridget, thank you very much. Thank you, Andy. Have a great rest of the day. And for anybody who's ending the quarter, great end of the quarter. Yeah, this is being recorded on the last day of the month. So yeah. Bridget's going to go out and close a bunch of business. So That's right. That's the idea. All right. Thanks for your time. And we'll talk to you next week. And thank you, everybody, for joining us. Remember, make it a part of your day every day to learn something new to help you accelerate the pace of your business. Subscribing to this podcast is a great way to do that because you don't want to miss a single conversation with my guest expert every Friday, Bridget Gleason. So until then, look forward to talking to everybody. Thanks for joining us. Good selling, everybody. 
Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com. <laughs>